Welcome to Open to Hope Radio with your host, mother-daughter team, Dr. Gloria and Dr. Heidi Horsley. This show is brought to you by the Open to Hope Foundation with the mission of helping people find hope after loss. This show has been edited for your convenience. Now, Open to Hope Radio. Dr. Heidi with my mom, Dr. Gloria, and our second guest today is Nancy Sincata, and we will be discussing her work, which brings hope to grieving families. Nancy Sincata is on the faculty at the Mount Sinai School of Medicine and is the psychosocial director of Camp Sunshine, a nationally-based retreat program for bereaved families and families of children with life-threatening illnesses. Her current research centers on the role of hope in the lives of families with seriously ill children. Welcome to the show, Nancy. Hi, Nancy. Welcome to the show. It's great to have you on. Now you're at Children's uh, Camp Sunshine today? I am. I am. I'm talking to you from Camp Sunshine. Camp Sunshine is a retreat for families of kids with life-threatening illnesses and families whose kids have died of a life-threatening illness. And we've been in operation since 1984. And in 2001, we completed a campus, which makes us the only place in the country that has a a tremendous campus just devoted um, to our mission. So we served about 760 families last year, and our ultimate goal would be to serve a 1,000 families here in Maine, and then we have satellite programs in Wisconsin and in Arizona, and we're looking to grow nationally as well. How wonderful. Well, is, is your camp in Maine, is, are the kids that go there from all over the country, or are they just from Maine? We have people from all over the country that come. We have some very specialized programs for some very rare um, illnesses, and we have people who come to us literally for some programs from places not only in the country, but you know, throughout the world. So we have, uh, we've had families here from Australia, you know, from England, from Scotland, wow. and throughout, throughout the country. And we are a retreat for families, so the entire family comes. So we are oh. not exclusively a kids' camp. We are a camp for kids, siblings, parents, and everybody in the immediate family, and on occasion grandparents as well. So our focus That's is wonderful. that everybody needs help when a life-threatening illness hits and that to look just at the child is a wonderful thing, but not a comprehensive thing, and that, in fact, sometimes it's the other members of the family that need as much or more help, and that everybody needs support, because nobody really kind of grows up understanding how you cope with this and what you do. I think it's something that you learn because of the experiences that you have. So the life... I'm sorry, Excuse me. I I would just want to know the life-threatening illness, and then after a child dies, they can come back, or do you have families that are bereaved go? We have families, I mean, after a child dies, the family can come back to camp to our bereavement programs, and mm-hmm. we have um, we have two bereavement retreats thus far annually with the hope that we will probably have four, you know, one in each season. And one of the programs that we run is a particularly interesting program because we invite families to come back and make a quilt out of their kids' clothing, and it's really a very powerful experience and a very powerful program. Now, how would our listeners uh, get in touch with the, these camps? I imagine they're probably booked for this year. We are. You can go to www.campsunshine.org and look at the different illnesses that we serve, and then you'll see the bereavement programs, and you can um, there's all the contact information on that, and you can call. and uh, So you can both see it on the website, and then, you know, in January we post the programs for the 
for the upcoming year, and we anticipate having about 30 programs. Mm-hmm. Now, Nancy, year. if I had a child die and I wanted to go to a camp like this, would that be for my family? Would that be possible? Yes. If okay. if your child died of one of the illnesses, like if you'll yeah. see that we work okay. with programs for kids with all different illnesses, and then I do believe that. I mean, there's obviously also nationwide many other camp programs for like, bereaved siblings, and sometimes for bereaved families. And I think that that I really do think it's a wonderful model for bereaved families, kind of in following up on some of the things that you talked about. In the first half hour, I think that the human spirit really does need to make connection with other people, and I really do think that when your child dies, you feel completely isolated and that nobody in the world understands you. And quite often it's true that many of the people around mm-hmm. you really don't understand you and don't They don't understand, understand the magnitude of it, don't you right. think? Yes, and, I, and the, the intensity of it and that, that isolated, lonely feeling when you know that you're Absolutely. not going to be able to see your child again in there. So there's a magic that happens when you are, you know, whether it's a camp program or a group program, I've been running groups for bereaved parents for the last 30 years, and I think that just that connection to another human being who has experienced the same intensity of the loss, really not only does it make you feel understood, but it is such a comforting feeling, what you were talking about before, so that you don't feel like you are crazy. Because I think that it does feel sometimes like you're going crazy when your child is dead because so many things in your world are up in the air and feel wrong and feel disconnected and your meaning for living changes and I think who you are changes as a result of the experience and I think the the, the fit in your own world is sometimes compromised and I think it takes a long time to feel like you are comfortable within yourself and within your world but I think it's easy to feel comfortable within a world of other bereaved parents. It really is a very uh, interesting club. No one wants to, to be part of it, yet the kinship that people feel in it. Now, some people, because, but there are yeah. some people who um, have difficulty going to a group. Right yeah. now they're listening to us and saying, hmm, sounds like maybe I might mm-hmm. want to do that, but I really don't want to. I don't like groups. Right. You know, uh, I don't want to expose myself. I don't want to tell my story. I don't want to... Um, uh, yeah, I just don't That's a good do point. That. And I think the anticipation of going to a group mm-hmm. yeah. can be very, very difficult for people. A lot of people feel like not only they're not group people, but also, you're right, kind of going into a room and exposing yourself and letting people know what you've been through can feel very, very threatening. And I think it's actually the arriving at a group and living through the experience that enables some people to understand that it can be a helpful model and probably not a model for everybody that but, but a model for more people than people believe, I think, at the beginning, too, because it sounds really daunting to think about going into a room with also other bereaved parents. I think that's also true for a place like Camp Sunshine, for people whose children are diagnosed with a life-threatening illness. They, I think there is a reluctance to arrive somewhere where you think there might be 39 other families of kids with cancer because it feels like how could that possibly be fun and how much will I have to reveal and will I be okay and will I be emotional and then I think sometimes the the magic of the process enables um, some people to really feel like it's a very effective uh, aid I think in the bereavement right. period. And as Tom Attic said, finding safe people. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and finding safe group leaders. I yeah. Mean, I really exactly. do think there's a lot of different models out there in a lot of different programs and you really need to feel like the person running the group is somebody you can connect to and that will be protective of you in the group process. 
Right. And I know that camps can be very effective for kids mm-hmm. and teenage, especially teenagers, if you can get them to go. And mm-hmm. um, there's a 9-11 camp, mm-hmm. which the kids have absolutely loved over the years. Right. Um, and I wanted you to speak a little bit about the power of camp for children and what do you what do you think they get out of going and also how do you get kids to go to camp if they don't want to? I like the idea the families are going because I would think that would make it easier to get right. the kids to go. Right. You know, we ran um, five years of programming here for families in which a parent died on 9-11, mm-hmm. and it was a very safe environment for families to come to because they might not have sent their kids off to camp at that point because of what their experiences had been, but going as a family made it safe and made it comfortable. Mm-hmm. So there is some there's some real safety in that model because it enables you to have programming for children and programming for adults, but they can come together and be together at different points during the course of the day and find support and also have that shared emotional experience so that when the program is over, they also have both lived through the process of the program and can really kind of uh, connect and share as a result of that experience. I think kids' camps for bereaved kids are a remarkable thing because in life as a kid, one of the things that's really true is that you don't want to be different Mm -hmm. than everybody else. You spend your whole life, you spend your teenage years really wanting to fit in with the crowd and be like everybody else. And when your brother or sister has died, you really do have some ways in which you see the world differently and you don't always have the opportunity in your class or in any programs that you're involved in or at camp to have other people in the room who've shared their experience. So being at camp where everybody in the room is a brief sibling is a way of taking this unusual experience and really helping normalize the experience and also really feeling like you're understood as a kid and it gives kids the opportunity to talk about things, sometimes things that their parents do that they think are a little crazy, and it's not until they hear that other parents do those things as well do they feel even better about their own parents. I had, we run a lot of kids' groups here during the Bruma program, and um, sometimes very late at night because that's when teens peak and enjoy talking. But, I mean, there was one point where one girl was talking about how, you know, crazy her mother was because on the anniversary of her brother's death and on her brother's birthday her mother would go and like have a big picnic or a party at the cemetery and she just really felt like she didn't really want to mention that in school and she didn't want to do different things and then other kids in the group started saying well you know my mother does that as well and then other kids were saying well my mother does this and we do that and and soon it became so very clear to these kids that it wasn't that their mother was crazy or their father was crazy but that the reality is is that when your child dies there really are certain things that you feel and that you do and so there's there's such a relief in knowing that your family is not so different than other families and that your family is not so crazy. I mean, everybody thinks their family is crazy, but in fact, the reality is, is that every family is a little crazy. That is the, the nature of right. life, and I think... And, um, and, the, and these teens can share in a similar experience, and they're not the only ones that have lost siblings. Because when you lose right. a sibling, you do feel like you're the only one. Most kids don't... Their friends have never lost brothers and sisters. Right. So I love the idea of getting together and sharing stories. And, you know, a lot of kids that I work with say the one thing that their parents do is they become very overprotective because they're right. terrified that another child is right. going to die. And it's nice for them to share those experiences, like you said, with other kids. And, and it's really nice for them to say out loud, you know, my parents really are very overprotective. And then right. to talk about what that means and how that feels and how you, 
you know, how you deal with your own parents when you're going through the process. The other thing is, you know, when you're in a, when you have a group of kids together, you're going to always have kids who are older and kids who are younger. And mm. you know, depending on if you've lost a sibling who is younger or a sibling who is older, it really does give you almost a mentor to have in that role to talk to, whereby you don't have your sibling here to talk to about it, but you have somebody else who's kind of in a similar age group. And I think that you know, kids talk about things like birth order and changing, and maybe you were the oldest sibling before, or maybe you weren't the oldest sibling before, but now you're the oldest sibling, or maybe there were two of you, and now you're in a house with just your parents, or maybe, you know, so there are so many different pieces of what the process means when you are a bereaved child and what it changes for you, that it is just nice to have other people to talk about that experience, too. You know, uh, I have an email that um, I'd like to read here, and it's mm-hmm. from Inez uh, from Washington State, and she said uh, that... Her son was killed in an accident. He was 15. Her 16-year-old son wants to go to the skateboard camp that he goes to every year, and I'm afraid to have him go. Do you have any comments or help for me? You know, I think we've all had the experience that kids really need to continue to be kids so that sometimes I think it seems like, it's a little bit hard that they want to do things they've done before or that they want to do things more quickly or that they're not grieving because they want to do healthy things or things that they are comfortable with. But I think that kids really do. Kids are very narcissistic by nature, which is a wonderful thing because they want to continue to live and they want to know that they're going to be taken care of. And I think that, you know, it's exciting that he wants to go and he wants to be part of it. And I guess the question would be... um, what are the concerns about him going? Is she worried? Yeah, I'm thinking, Inez, that um, yeah, that it's, first of all, I want to say that I think it's very normal and natural that you're afraid to have a child go mm-hmm. after you've lost a child. And, it, and it's, side, it feels much very, better to keep him where you can see him. Absolutely. Right. And, and on the flip side, like Nancy said, it's very normal and natural and wonderful that he wants to be a normal 16-year-old and, and have some separation. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So sometimes I think as a parent, you may do different things to support what your child wants to do. So maybe depending on where the camp is, I mean, and I'm just thinking of a creative idea, but maybe you bring him in a different way, you go for a different amount of time, you find a way to be near the place that he's going for yeah. the day so that the experience is different, maybe a little bit for him and a little bit for you, but that you also identify that in part what he wants to do is about him, and in part, it's about you, because in a family, everybody has a reaction afterwards, so I think that, you know, it may be hard as a parent to also feel like your child wants to go away after somebody's died, and that's not a feeling that your child doesn't care or doesn't care about you or isn't worried about what's going on at home. Right. Uh, You know, I think for every family, this is a very individual journey, and for some families, what feels like the right thing is going to be to go back and do the same routine that you had before to keep things as mm-hmm. kind of the same as possible. I think for other families it's going to feel like everything has to be different and that you couldn't possibly have the same summer. I think it's very, very complicated when your child just dies because as a parent you are grieving and it's really hard to even deal with the emotion that you feel every day and then trying to understand where your child is at and what they want and what is the best thing for them because they may feel like it would be a great loss for them to go away and go back and do what they were doing before, but they may feel as a parent you want them to do it. And I think one of the 
best things is if you can find a way to listen to what your child is telling you that they want, that that is always a, a great clue for kids to be able to really say what they want and feel like the environment is supportive of whatever And, you know, maybe, I'm just thinking maybe they do go to camp and they're not happy there and they do, maybe they need permission to leave this year. Absolutely. And, you know, I think there's actually even some some bigger issues. I've had kids talk to me a lot, you know, when your brother or sister dies and life changes and there's a funeral and then the funeral's over and you're supposed to go back to school the next day. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think, like, how many adults right after your child dies and how many mothers feel like, they take a leave of absence from work. They take time off. They mm-hmm. can't continue. Yet we often expect that kids are going to just continue and they're going to go back to school and they're going to do their finals and they're going to go on. And I think that sometimes sibling grief is a little bit less understood because since they are kids and they do do kid things, there's almost a feeling like they're doing okay, they're not grieving. And I think that entering into a dialogue about what's going on for them is always a helpful thing and that Sometimes you have kids who are talkers and they will let you know everything that's going on and sometimes you have kids who are less so talkers so that you really need to find other ways to also help understand where they are and, and what they're going One through. of the things that, that Heidi has always brought up as a sibling, which I've appreciated, is the fact that you can always say to your kids, you know, I've lost a child but I haven't lost a sibling. Right. Tell me about it. Right. And yeah. the other thing is that I've had a lot of siblings say to me when they're meeting with me alone that my parent needs to understand that I didn't die. So that it's also true that as a sibling, you need to feel as though your parent is still as invested in your life and the things going on in your life, Absolutely. even though your sibling died. And I think that's really hard to do initially as a parent because you are so upset and mm-hmm. everybody's upset and yet the impression you don't want to give to your other kids is that they're not important. And, when we're and we talk a lot about that in relationship to holidays because mm-hmm. as kids, we you still right. want happy, positive holidays right. even though your sibling died because you're a kid. And, you know, right. like you said, you also want to know that you're you're worth it. for your. If your parents are saying things like, I don't know how I'm going to go on, I don't want to live anymore, right. that gives you the message of I'm not worth living for. Right. Right. So, yeah. so we've got the 4th of July and those holidays coming up. I think, uh, to me, one of the things that you can do to support yourself during this time is to enlarge the system during the holidays, mm-hmm. get together with other families, do, you know, find some activity to go to if you don't feel like you can support the kids, uh, you know, as, as happily and vigorously as you want to. Let other people in and help, get have relatives help or whatever. And I think the whole idea of creating rituals, like kind of creating new family rituals that work for everybody in the family. And I, and I think that where there's a role for a sibling to to play, you know, you know, and maybe there is something that you do in each holiday that kind of acknowledges your child who died as well as giving... You Can know, you give us a couple of rituals that you like? Um, well, you know, I, like I, there's, there's one family I know where um, the mom still puts Christmas stockings out for her child who died and her child mm-hmm. who's alive, and that sometimes mm-hmm. she will put things in the stocking that can be uh, shared with the child who's still alive. So there's a way of kind of keeping the process connected and not ignoring that, that the other child died. I, I know that a lot of people for anniversaries and for different holidays, we'll go to the cemetery or we'll go to outside of the front of their house and they'll write messages on the balloon, on a balloon and mm-hmm. kind of send up a message to the child who died. I think that sometimes people will do 
kind of letter writing at different ages and different stages to your brother or sister who died so that you have kind of an ongoing chronicle of what some of your feelings and emotions are as time passes. I actually think one of the hardest holidays is also Halloween where Mm -hmm. the focus is really on children and what children do. And I think that it's valuable to talk to kids at all of the holidays because they are going to be missing their siblings at those times. And I think that it's they're harder times for parents too. So almost always having the reminder that it's hard for everybody, that it's not like the loss of a brother or sister or the loss of a child if you're a parent, that neither journey is an easy one. And that I think it's kind of only made easier through communication with each other and sharing the fact that you each had a loss and shared the loss. I like that. You each had a loss and shared the loss. It's difficult for everyone in the family. Absolutely. Well, Nancy, it's time for us to close our show. We could uh, go on and talk forever. Very interesting. Do you have one uh, last comment you want to make before you go of four families? Or advice on how to make it? You know, I think that at the very beginning it feels like it's hard to talk, it's hard to think about things without crying, without really feeling upset, and that it is important to know that that the journey changes. I don't think you ever get over the loss of a child, but it does become different over time. You do reach a time when you can talk about your child and think about your child and not have the pit in your stomach and in your heart that you have at the very beginning. So I guess my, my message would be that the journey really does change over time. Well, thank you so much for being on the show, Nancy Sankata. And uh, we're grateful for having Nancy on and uh and Tom Attic, and I think that the message we get from this, Heidi, is that we, as we are not broken, the soul is not broken. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is strength there and reason for hope. Well, Nancy, it's been delightful to have you on the show. Thank, Thank you. Nancy. Thank you. Nice talking with you guys. You have been listening to Open to Hope Radio. You can sign up for our newsletter, Facebook, and Twitter on our homepage at opentohope.com.